Devoncast from Radio X. Hello and welcome to Devoncast, the weekly podcast looking at local and regional issues in Devon. The politics, the people and how decisions here affect how we live, work and enjoy our county. I'm Rob Kershaw. I'm Philip Chan. And I'm Ollie Heptonstall. This week, young people in Plymouth who have left the care system have some reason to celebrate a series of bank closures that might affect you and we'll examine the huge housing developments approved for the Exeter area. Devoncast from Radio X. But first, Philip, there was a significant motion in Plymouth this week around equality for care-experienced people. Take us through it. That's right, Rob. It follows a motion at Plymouth's full council meeting on Monday, supported by all councillors, uh, to ensure that young people who've been in care get the same sort of protection as other groups who are often marginalised in society, such as those on the basis of, of race, gender, sexuality, etc. Now, Plymouth is the first council in the southwest to agree a motion like this, which was brought about because of some research which showed some really stark figures such as 70% of care experienced people die early. Over half of people who are in custody up to the age of 21 have been in care and a quarter of the homeless population is care experienced. Now the motion was brought about by Labour councillor Jemima Lang but all councillors from all parties spoke about it and many people from other parties even spoke about their own experiences of the care system. It was all inspired by one campaigner, Terry Galloway. He grew up in over 100 care settings across the country, including here in Devon. Now, I spoke to Terry before the council meeting and he explained how he was motivated by a tragedy surrounding his own sister. Uh, it was a promise to my sister, really, um, that we brought through the care system ourselves. Um, once we left, we got dumped to send for ourselves. And she was basically saying to me, I feel like I'm going to be next. And this is after she's left care, she's had children, she's had them children get taken into care. So she didn't, didn't really have, have in her mind much to kind of live for. She, she was next, uh, so she ended up getting killed by a boyfriend in a domestic violence incident. Um, and, and that's really the nuts and bolts of this care cliff that, that people go on about. Uh, you know, in terms of when you leave care, yeah. you're kind of left to fend for yourself. And, and all these kids, you know, they've not had the love and the, the nurture that they need in yeah. care. And then when they leave, they, the scaffolding's released and they're kind of looking for that love. Yeah. And all the predators just recognise it and they just swarm towards them. Mm-hmm. You know, the abusers, the coercion, the domestic violence, you know, all of it just, just jumps on them. And these kids have just got... But no chance, really. Terry also explained how young people leaving care find themselves in an almost impossible situation with the system. These kids reporting having children, and then the, the you know the nurses and doctors are just directly discriminating against them, thinking, you know what, I need to refer you to children's social care because you're from care, you must be troubled, uh, you know, just in case, you know. And imagine that being a, a child mm. who's been through all that, then finally wants to just you know have have their own family and create that love that they never had, and then somebody's referring you right back into the system again. And he explained why the state, why local authorities like Plymouth, for example, have a duty to support people like him. For these children that are leaving the care system, there is no other group that, that, has, the, that has the state as its parent. You know, it's the state that intervened and took a care order out and said, you know what, your family 
can't look after you, we're going to look after you. And then the state then just dumps them at 18. Some other councils across the country have agreed similar measures, but Terry is determined to keep campaigning until everyone considers care experience to be a protected characteristic. Devon Cast from Radio X. Now, one of the stories in the past week has been the bank closures taking place across Devon. Barclays have announced closures in their branches in Tiverton and Honiton in June, so people banking with them in those areas may be forced to travel to Taunton or Exeter instead. And that's not all. Lloyds Bank have confirmed the closure of their Sidmouth branch, so users there will find their closest branch in Seaton, a near 20-minute drive away. East Devon MP Simon Jupp criticised the Lloyds closure in his hometown, saying that over a third of its users are over the age of 75. He has asked Lloyds to reconsider their decision. MP for Tiverton and Honiton Richard Ford, meanwhile, called Barclays' decision very disappointing and himself said he would write to them, urging them to reverse their decision. Lloyds say users can use the post offices for everyday banking, while Barclays will speak to members of the public to ask them for their thoughts on how the closures work will affect them. Mr Ford also called for more banking hubs in Devon. Now, these allow people from any bank to withdraw money. There's an interesting debate around this, really, because there is an increasing number of people who do their banking online, but there are also quite a significant number of people who do need a sort of tangible service. You know, Ollie, would you be all that fussed if your local branch of your bank closed down? Personally speaking, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Not really. I mean, I've only used my bank probably once in the last six months actually going in there. But at the same time, sometimes you do need to use them, don't you? If you're making a really large cash deposit or check deposit, for instance, you might feel a bit uncomfortable doing that over the phone or in post. Also, if young people have the ability and even uh, middle-aged people have the ability to use computers to do their online banking these days, but older people they find it a real problem still, don't they? You know, to say to, you know, an 85-year-old, 90-year-old, oh, you can pay in a cheque using the the mobile app. I mean, that's going to be really difficult for a lot of them. So I think they've got to be careful not to discriminate and and exclude a lot of the population, especially those older those older people who... Who may really struggle with this with this digital digital Abs- age? Absolutely, I think I think that's that's a thing, isn't it? Because I mean, certainly my own bank, I can't pay checks in online, and I think that's the same with quite a few banks. But some you can, uh, if it is a very significant amount of money, as you mentioned before, you can't do that online because there are online limits and you have to go into the bank personally. So I think it's a debate that will go on. But I understand why branches on the high street are quite expensive to run. And that's where these banking hubs, I suppose, are a good idea, aren't they? You know, all the banks can use them. They have a a member of staff who goes in maybe two or three times a week and they have separate rooms. So people from all different banks can use their facilities. Uh, What do you make of it, Rob? Yeah, I think particularly for older people, um, mentally, it's quite important to have a a bank to be able to go to because I I, I know a lot of old people who do get a bit lonely and and they need to go out and speak to people. And so doing banking online is actually quite tough for them. Not just the fact that obviously technologically not everybody is is you know very sound and, and very proficient on it but some people generally just need to get out the house and and do things in person do things sociably and i think closing down banks it, it doesn't really it's not very conducive towards that at all so i think in terms of mental health also it's quite important that people have a, a bank to be able to go to and there's also this problem now with online scams aren't they um People are being warned against doing certain things online or using their phones in fear of being scammed. And there will be some people who don't feel comfortable at all using 
online services for banking. So it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it, Philip? You know, it really, really is, I think. Um, and I think that thing you mentioned about the scams there is is a big issue because if you're if you're not confident if you don't know what the pitfalls are uh, what the warning signs are of people phoning you up for example or sending dodgy links to get your banking details then you are going to be more vulnerable to it and it's older people that are more likely to be uh, exposed to that. Devon Cast from Radio X. Now, it has this week been confirmed that Exeter will be getting over 500 new homes after two developments were approved. Ollie, what can you tell us about this? Uh, yeah, well, these two developments are both on allocated sites in two parts of the city. The first is where the old St Bridget Nursery is on Old Ryden Lane. It's still a nursery, actually, but isn't uh, no longer open to the public. Closed a few years ago to the public, but still supplies their other garden centre. It's quite near the Countess Weir roundabout. 350 homes are going to be built there after council has approved it at the second time of asking this week. Uh, they had previously deferred the decision, i.e. delaying making a decision on it, uh, due to highways Fears. That was largely because a junction off the dual carriageway, Ryden Lane, was seen as a little bit dangerous by some councillors. Highways officers didn't raise any concerns, though, though they did agree to a beefed-up raised crossing point at the junction, so the application was later approved. Uh, the second plan, meanwhile, considered on Monday by the Exeter Planning Committee, was for 180 homes at Alden's Farm on the edge of Alfington. Now, listeners uh, may know this is part of the huge southwest Exeter development for 2,500 new homes, some of which have been built already, but some residents at the meeting were concerned about overdevelopment on the site, with an admission that some of the gardens are going to be smaller than they're meant to be. And it should be said, actually, that the initial outline application, when it was previously passed, had suggested around 118 homes at the site. And that went up to 182 at this uh, detailed stage. But a narrow majority of councillors, they did back the scheme eventually, deciding that the problems weren't enough to rule against the application. And I'm sure this won't be the last controversial planning application that we uh, we discover and discuss on this podcast. Let's run you through some other news then this week. Rob, what have you got for us? Uh, fire crews spent much of Thursday tackling a blaze at the site of East Devon's old council offices in Sidmouth. The Knoll, which was set to be turned into a retirement home, was set ablaze on Thursday morning and 26 fire crews have since been on the scene. No one was hurt, but a third of the building is damaged as a result. The Devon and Somerset Fire and Rescue Service says its crews have now left and roads have reopened. McCarthy Stone, who currently own the site, issued a statement saying McCarthy Stone is aware of the unfortunate incident that has occurred at the former council offices on its site at the Knoll and will be working closely with Devon and Somerset Fire and Rescue Service to ascertain the cause of the fire. Devon Cast from Radio X. Philip, there's been some interesting discussions in South Hams this week. Yes, indeed. Now, South Ham's council has backed a motion called Debate Not Hate. Now, it uh, it argues that intimidation and abuse undermines democracy and includes resolutions to, for example, um, challenge the normalisation of abuse by promoting respectful, courteous and constructive debate amongst our residents. And also um, a line which says, raise public awareness of the role of councillors in local communities, encourage healthy debate and 
improve the response to and support those in public life facing abuse and intimidation. Now, the thing is, it's not really clear if this has been triggered by any one particular incident or indeed any particular individuals on the council or a culture of disrespect, but it was agreed quite enthusiastically by all councillors. And they even added a line onto that that any councillors who don't adhere to the code could be suspended. Forgive me, Philip, I'm slightly confused by this motion. Were they not doing this already? I think there there are codes of conduct which ensure that there are that councillors operate in a certainly respectful manner and all councils tend to adhere to that. However, there seems to have been this motion uh, brought along which suggests that that certain councillors or certain council conduct either in or out of the council house has been less than satisfactory or less than acceptable. And certainly it is going to be one of the questions that's going to be asked to be able to say, where did this come from? What triggered it? Are, are we talking about any individuals? But at this particular stage, they're, what they're doing is they're laying down a firm commitment to say, we must treat people with respect, that there won't be any abuse or any disrespecting of individuals. Interesting. We'll have to see what happens with that one. Uh, elsewhere, plans to cut adult day and uh, respite services by Devon County Council are being legally challenged by a local charity. The council is consulting on proposals to close most of its disability day centres as well as one of its respite centres in either Exeter or Honiton. But the Exeter and District Mencap Society is calling on the council to halt its consultations, which it believes are seriously flawed and could be unlawful, or it will launch a judicial review. The council says it will be considering its response, though previously said it needs to find total savings of £45 million to prioritise spending on what it legally has to provide. Now, it's been quite controversial, these six consultations the council are running on its adult care services. Uh, You may remember we discussed one a week or two ago about homelessness prevention services. One and a half million pounds Devon currently provides to a range of charities and other organisations to help reduce homelessness around Devon. That is being cut, according to this consultation, and and that is the uh, council proposal and uh, that has caused controversy. This has as well. And it'll be interesting, I think, to see what response Devon County Council has, not only to these objections, but to the consultation responses when they end in, I think it's April and May. So I imagine that the consultations will be discussed over the summer. Devon Cast from Radio X. Now to round off this week's show, the Rainbow Run returns to Exeter's West Point in June, raising money for Children's Hospice Southwest. And Radio X's Brad Hardware spoke to Kate Romo from the charity to find out more. It's just such a fun event. It's uh, 5K, so it's uh, achievable. It's for families, it's for friends, it's for colleagues. Anyone can take part. Um, and basically you run, walk or skip, whatever you want to do, the 5K, but you get uh, power paint thrown at you of all the colours of the rainbow. Uh, and it's all about raising money for Children's Hospice Southwest. Uh, tell us a bit more about what the charity does. Yep, absolutely. So Children's Hospice Southwest, we have three hospices. Uh, Little Bridge House in Barnstable, uh, which was our first hospice. Then we have Charlton Farm in Bristol and Little Harbour down in St Austell. And we look after uh, children with life-limited conditions and young people with uh, with conditions and their families. And we offer uh, respite, we offer um, end-of-life care, bereavement care. But the main thing we do is help create memories for those those children and their families. I suppose that's the nice thing about it is when you know you're so young and you, you're told that you might not have that long left that it's nice to be able to kind of 
tick things off the bucket list. Absolutely, and yeah. And I think people think the word hospice and they think they think immediately, I think, of end-of-life care. Yeah. And that's not what it's about. It's actually, And they think it's really sad. And if you come to any of our hospices, people are always surprised at how upbeat they are, how fun they are. They're very loud because they're full of children. There's lots of laughter. Um, and, and it really is a place for the whole family to come along and, and you know, enjoy themselves as a family. And obviously it gives the parents a, a chance to be part of the family and not carers. And we've got the carers there to look after them all. It's obviously raising money for Children's Hospice Southwest. How much are you hoping to raise? We're hoping to raise 40000 on the day, on the 17th of June. And for people who want to get involved, where can they find out more information and where can they sign up? OK, if they go to chsw.org.uk and go to our events section of our website, you can sign up there. It's got all the details. And we've got an early bird uh, discount, a super-duper early bird, that ends on the 3rd of April. And that's a saving of 30% at the moment. So we're trying to get everyone there as soon as they can to save some money to get registered and we also have a Facebook page which is Rainbow Run Devon 2023 and we'll update everybody and put news and things on there as well and just a quick reminder you can get involved with the Children's Hospice Southwest Rainbow Run it returns to West Point in Exeter on the 17th of June that's it for this edition of Devoncast thanks as always for listening and thanks very much to Ollie and to Philip we're not around next week with it being Easter so we'll be back again in a fortnight when those local elections will be drawing ever nearer see you then catch the latest episode of Devoncast every Friday at radiox.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts